1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDSE. Hey,
0: this is Carmine of Peace. Even though I don't look like Carmine of Peace, I am Carmine of Peace.
1: And uh, you're listening to Tom and Zeus on the Shouted
2: Out Loud cast.
1: So keep listening. Keep rocking.
0: from the days of good times, bad times, to the end, all my love, Led Zeppelin has impacted bands across the globe, connecting with their music, connecting with their lyrics, and we are the Zeppelin Chronicles. I'd like to welcome Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, the sidekick superfan Murph, and myself, Jay Scott from the Hook Rocks. Welcome to the Zeppelin Chronicles.
2: All right, Jay, thank you for that intro. Welcome, everybody, to another uh, exploration of a band that we all love, Led Zeppelin. Uh, We're excited to start this uh, sidecast here. Uh, We are all uh, huge fans of this band. Uh, As Jay said here, it's uh, me and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, Murph, that you all know. And uh, we're going to break down uh, another band that we love in detail. Welcome, uh, Murph and Zeus and Jay. This is going to be awesome.
0: Yes, looking forward to it, man. I know we've been talking about this for a while. And, you know, I I know we want to do it right, which is important to us and also the fans out there who listen. Because, you know, Zeppelin is so much different than anything we discuss on our podcast. Because, you know, the, the dedication of the fan is a different level than a lot of bands we talk about. Um, and it's a different level for all of us, let's be honest, because they mean so much to us. And I know you guys talk about KISS and, you know, I talk about a plethora of new things from new bands to commentary and whatever. But our home, at least my home, has always been Led Zeppelin. Whenever I go back to my favorite band whenever I whenever I think of that moment when it just clicked it went from kiss to zeppelin you know um, on a summer between my sophomore and junior year which we'll get into but yes this is an important topic for a lot of music fans and I'm just happy to be here talking about it with all you guys
3: so how did we get here it's quite simple those that are listening have probably heard us on our album review crew episodes so on our album review crew episodes I'm like it came to my turn I said, I'm gonna I want to throw a curveball and pick Zeppelin three, for instance. And then I'm like, wait a minute, but Tom probably wants physical graffiti. Yeah, but Zeppelin two is what and then I'm like, what are we doing here? And we talked about it, me and Tom, and we're like, let's let's do our own little sidecast of Zeppelin stuff. We're both huge fans, as almost as big as Kiss. Now if Zeppelin had continued like Kiss has continued, we may be bigger fans of Zeppelin than Kiss. But unfortunately, that's not the case. So we thought about it. And we're like, okay, well, we need to get the right people to make this work because it can't be, it can't be us laughing about fucking Robert Plant's codpiece like we do in Kiss, right? <laughs> so first thing, Tom reminds me how big of a fan Murph is, and then I knew from my friendship with Jay that he's a big Zep fanatic and uh, and we've done some work in the past between us and the hook rocks. We have the Pantheon connection and uh, we all get along. So we're like, there it is. Let's, uh, let's connect and let's get this thing going. Now we had planned on trying to do this in the beginning of the year, but as Jay said, you can't fuck around with this. It's Zeppelin. You got to do it right. And I think we did it right. I think we got the right crew. And we're going to get this thing started with this episode as kind of an introduction to us, the band. And uh, we'll we'll get the, you know, we'll hit the ground running the next episode. But this is a way for us to kind of tell you what to look out for, what's in store. And uh, that being the case, let's hand it over to uh, our buddy Murph. Well, guys, I really appreciate you extending the
1: invite. As you mentioned early on, I have uh, always been a big Zeppelin fan. Uh, if now's the time to actually talk about, like spend a moment of how I came to Zeppelin uh, for me, like like uh, I think people of, of my age that didn't have older siblings, my introduction to Zeppelin was the CYO dance. End of the night. Stairway to heaven comes on to close out the dance. I'm scrambling around like musical chairs, trying to find someone to dance with. And I'm being gently rejected because (laughs) chances are they're waiting for Tommy to ask him to dance. And I'm like, Tommy's Tommy's already out there on the dance floor. Oh, I'm just going to wait. So uh, for this junior high period, Stairway to heaven was all I knew. And then finally, when I started buying tapes, or cassettes back in the day, it wasn't even CDs, it was Led Zeppelin 4. And I just played that album over and over and over again. And what was surprising to me was when I would play it, my father, who was born in 47, so would have been right in that demographic, never got into Zeppelin. And I was, I at the time, I, was, I said, hey, okay, whatever, my dad passed a few years ago, and I look back and I, the one of the questions I wish I had asked him on his deathbed was, How did you not get into Zeppelin? Like that just baffles me that that band that just drew me in and connected with so many people, how did he not get into it? Because it seems like just about everybody has some type of connection or some type of story to it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about the progression of all the albums, how we connected for me. It was Led Zeppelin before, and then kind of going back and learning more about their connection to the blues and everything. So uh, really excited to be doing this and also just to have stories, laughs, and and learn from each of you, because I know that each of you are bringing a lot of history and insight to this uh, discussion and and podcast as well.
2: Yeah, Murph, good stuff. Um, You know, everybody's got a story with Zeppelin, and it's funny when you talk about your dad who was kind of in that sweet spot of when Zeppelin was in their heyday. And, and, and for us, it does feel like the people that love Zeppelin are the people that did not grow up with Zeppelin, that they're a, they're, they're a legacy band. That's what it feels like to us. And for me, Zeppelin is a different kind of band because I remember the exact moment when I fell in love with a band like Kiss or when I, when I first heard Rush or when I first heard Metallica or when I first heard whoever, Zeppelin is interesting to me because as we were talking about doing this project, I feel like Zeppelin has just always been part of my life. I I can't pinpoint the moment when when I was introduced to them, when I heard them, when I found them. I think my story is probably similar to a lot of people our age. And I know me, Murph, and Zeus, and we're, we're pretty much all the same age, is that when you were younger, you heard Stairway to Heaven. You couldn't avoid Stairway to Heaven. And that introduces you to Zeppelin four. And then like most bands, you start to go backwards. And then from then on, you are never away from Zeppelin. Classic rock radio is, it will exhaust them into the ground. Um, But something about Zeppelin just checks off all those boxes for people like us that are music fans, you know, whether it's rock folk, rockabilly blues, acoustic borderline metal, epic long songs, shorter kind of punchy songs. They check off it all. And it's uh, the other thing that I love about this band. That's so interesting compared to some of the other bands we love is just the, when you say led Zeppelin out loud, it conjures up so many different images for different people, including myself, The, the image of the band, whether it's Jimmy page with like his flowing kind of weird things that he used to wear or Robert plant shirtless. or with the shirt open and the long hair and bottom and, John Paul Jones quietly keeping the groove, just the the band is so unique and the stories are so endless that I think we're just going to have an amazing time just picking this band apart. Unlike any other band that we've picked apart and we've picked apart kiss, but this band, if, if kiss, if you can go 10 feet deep with kiss, you can go 50 feet deep with Zeppelin. And that's what I'm really excited for.
0: My experience with Zeppelin uh is very unique in how I discovered them. Um I always knew of them casually. Obviously Stairway to Heaven, Cashmere, Black Dog, all the popular songs that were out at that time. And you know when you think back at that time, they weren't really as saturated as they are now. I mean like Zeppelin is is so much more popular than they were when I discovered them to when they were around when in, in their heyday. I mean it's a band you know that you mentioned like a legacy artist that continues to grow its fandom, even even though they haven't released an album in forty some years or hasn't yet forty some years forty one years. Um, I was going into my junior year in high school, and I was a huge Kiss fan. I was a huge glam rock '80s fan, you know uh, the MTV generation, and I only listened to that. And I like I said, I knew a Zeppelin, and I liked the songs, but I always knew of them more from the older kids in the, in the neighborhood. You know, the kids that were maybe five, six years older than me, seven, eight years older than me that would talk about Zeppelin. Right. Cause they were closer to it. They were closer to when they ended in 1980. So he came with a duffel bag from California <clears throat> and inside that duffel bag were tapes of bootlegs from their whole career from 19, you know, 68 all the way up into, you know, I still remember the the bootleg with John Bonham's last show in Germany called Bonzo's Last Stand. So for the 6 weeks that he was here in Chicago, sharing the bedroom with me, all I got to listen to were Zeppelin bootlegs. And before he came out, I was a huge Kiss fan. You know, Kiss was my number one band. When he left, I was all about Led Zeppelin. I couldn't get enough of it. I started collecting bootlegs at 16, 17 years old because of that. And that's why my collection is so vast. And that's why, you know, I put so much time, money, passion into Zeppelin because they mean so much to me. The other interesting thing for me, and I know about you guys, but prior to Zeppelin, I was only listening to one type of music. You know, it was hard rock. It was the MTV rock that we all know and love. Because Zeppelin was so diverse, they could do blues, they could do metal, they could do rock, they could do folk, they could do all this stuff. And the arrangements they had, it got me to open up to other forms of music because of that. Because I learned to appreciate their arrangements and how they made music, music that I maybe was turned off to right, right, you know, kind of, you know, gave the Heisman to. You know, prior to getting into Zeppelin, I started to listen to because they helped, you know, pique my interest. They helped expand my palette of what I wanted to listen to, which is I still think because of Zeppelin, I'm more likely to listen to other things because let's face it on an album. Led Zeppelin 3, for instance, you know, Led Zeppelin 4. I mean, you go from songs from Black Dog Rock and Roll to going to California and Battle of Evermore to When the Levy Breaks. I mean, it's it's like it's a buffet of kick-ass music on every album. And obviously their earlier stuff was more kind of concise to one genre of music, but as they grew, you know, they, they incorporated so many elements of music and that as a fan, as a young fan was impressionable on me because of that. And I, and, and I think because I'm such a huge fan of Zeppelin, I'm a fan of other genres, other forms of rock and roll. I mean, I listened to Todd Snyder, who's a folk singer. I don't know if I'd ever listen to Todd Snyder if I wouldn't have heard Black Country Woman or That's the Way or Tangerine, stuff like that. So they they meant so much to me in my growth as, as a music fan, but also with their lyrics and kind of their introspective, you know, they were my voice when I was, you know, an upperclassman in high school, you know, going out into the real world after graduating high school.
3: Yeah, I am uh, quite similar to you guys. Um, I'm not sure if any of us, like Zeppelin was our first band. It's one of those things, like once you touch it, (laughs) you're stuck. You break it, it's yours. And you break that seal with Zeppelin, they don't leave you. I don't find anybody that listens or tries Zeppelin that's like, ah, yeah, that's not for me. If you try it, you're hooked. You're a fan. You, You can't. You can't deny it. Um, for me, I I was, as we all know, we've talked about this Kiss fan and all that. And um, somebody, and it's probably my older cousin, crazy older cousin Mike. I remember like Zeppelin the Folk about it, the stories about, ooh, that sold their soul to the devil and this music is scary. But I knew Zeppelin 4. You know, oh, I yeah, I know Stare to Heaven. Yeah, I know Black Dog. I know rock and roll. And like all you guys, I got that first. And I played the hits because that's what I was comfortable with. I'm like, yeah, well, I like these songs. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, <laughs> um. I didn't realize I would spend my, well, I would spend a lot of my summers growing up in Greece. So I bought those cassettes in Greece. So what you ended up having is Battle of Evermore and Four Sticks on the opposite tracks. And, I had, and not until we got into college, I'm like, hey, what the hell is this? Because that's how I grew up with it with those on the different tracks. And those trips to Greece, I had bought. I'm like, I'm the, and I would go for like, I would say a month and a half. And I'm young kid there. I'm with my mom. You know visiting family that I don't really know I I'm like I'm gonna get into stuff so I bought like every Zeppelin tape there was in Greece and I played them nonstop there is nothing nothing like listening to Zeppelin three on a mountain with the breeze blowing overlooking centuries of the ocean crashing against the waves on like remnants of castles and seeing things and listening to Zeppelin. Nothing will put you into any kind of, it's like a trance. I fell in love with them. So you're talking about junior high school. I bought hammer, of the gods. I read it and I was like, Oh my God, what is this shit? Uh, I didn't realize till later on how much of it is accurate, how much is not whatever. But that was my start of Zeppelin. Um, a couple things that I can tell you stories that Zeppelin involved in my life. Um, I remember, (laughs) I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I, uh, I can tell you for a fact that after watching fast time at Richmond high, which they say, what,
2: (laughs) what do they say about Zeppelin play, play side two of Led Zeppelin four. that. Then he gets in the car and what's playing cashmere. Exactly. Okay,
3: I had sex the first time, and I put on Zeppelin 4 side 2 in my basement. But did you hear cashmere? No, no, because it's not on Zeppelin 4. No, <laughs> what I heard was my mom coming in from the top, and I had us kick her out through the basement door.
0: So, Zeus, you're saying that your levy broke that day? Yes, yeah. Well, my question is, were, were you alone, Zeus, or you with somebody? <laughs>
3: no, I was with, I was with the high fucking class junior high girl. because I don't think I was a freshman yet in high school. Yeah, I, I, I picked them well back then. And so that was my first. Then I remember vivid stories of Zeppelin throughout my stuff. I remember when the box set came out and what a big deal it was. Yeah. When I met all these assholes at Stonehill, we all had the box set. We all were playing it. I think that created such a big fan base and reunited that Zeppelin love when that box set came out because I knew ev- all of my friends in college had it and we played Zeppelin nonstop. And now, just like Kiss, I had that Zeppelin connection with other people when it used to be just me. Um, I have, you know, some other fun stories that happened with Zeppelin. But for me, all all of it together is Zeppelin to me means that's kind of another one of those, that's my band. So when you hear like Zeppelin being talked on uh, a documentary or anything like that, you perk up like that's my band. Uh, And then you start hearing all the accolades about Zeppelin. And you're like, yeah, holy fuck. They are so... As big as they are, they're still like under underappreciated by like music fans about how fucking dominant they are, how many albums they sold, how their fucking 70s were ruled by them, their concerts, their influence on all the music that we grow up on, listening to in high school and and college and stuff. They are everywhere. And if you find that someone's a Zeppelin fan and Zeppelin is on there and they like them, you're like, yeah, that person gets it because there are many that are just turned off by it and things like that. And unfortunately, a lot of them are famous other like British musicians. But you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah." that's jealousy because these guys did it bigger and better than anybody fucking else. And that's the kind of pride that comes into it. And this is why when we decided to do this kind of an episode, wanted to make sure we got the right people and the right fucking chemistry to make this right. And I think, we're, I think we did it. I really do.
2: Yeah. Zeus, you, br- you bring up a good point talking about college. So for any first time listeners out there that might not be familiar with Shout Out Loudcast or the album review crew, uh, Murph and I have known each other since kindergarten, went to high school together, and we were four year college roommates. Uh, We met Zeus in college. Uh, We lived with him, near him for that entire four years. And Zeppelin, you said it. Zeppelin became that connective tissue between all of us. Now, we were in college right at the birth of grunge, so we were into all the grunge bands. But when you weren't listening to grunge or alternative, it was always Zeppelin. And I have very explicit memories of especially late night when the night is winding down. And you're putting on that Zeppelin box set because in the nineties, what was better than a five disc CD changer that you would put shuffle. Okay. We had the box set. We had box set two, the three disc remasters. And they would, they would drop in like a, you know, maybe an unreleased song here or there or something. And you, you wanted to consume as much as you could. And we would listen to it all the time, and we would just listen to it and talk about it. And like this song is so different. Jay talked about it on Zeppelin Four. You know, Four Sticks is so different than Black Dog, which is so different from Going to California. But it it brings everybody together because there's something for everybody. There's it, there's so much different things going on with the band that 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 attracts people that love music. And it, and depending on what mood you're in is depending on what zeppelin album you may listen to uh today you know what i love presence you know what i'm gonna play zeppelin three today or you know i haven't heard coda in a while i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to that because that has some great songs that no one ever plays you know and and zeus you talked about underrated and I, I always come back to this quote from the great martin popoff fellow pantheon and zeppelin god who has written tons of books on zeppelin and he had this great quote and he said i've spent my whole life wrestling with the idea of led zeppelin as overrated And he says, how can you not be overrated when you are rated the way that they are as gods who walk the earth? Who can live up to that? And it's such a great point because listen to the way we're talking about this band. And if there are people out there that aren't into Zeppelin, they're going to be like, wow, I got to listen to Zeppelin. So they are almost overrated because they are so iconic and such a cultural phenomenon. But the four of us don't think that they're overrated in any way.
0: How many of you guys or you know, answer the same way I always answer the question when I'm asked, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? And I always turn to the person, I say, well, are you talking about the songs you hear on the radio or the songs you don't hear on the radio? Because there's really kind of two classifications, right? There's the common casual fan that knows the Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, Black Dog, Rock and Roll, Cashmere, all those songs, right? But then there's the songs that you don't hear. Like I always answer, well, my favorite Zeppelin song is cashmere, but my favorite song that you don't hear on the radio is that's the way from Led Zeppelin three, you know? So it's, it's, it's such a in-depth, like you can never answer that, that question without, for me, at least, without having that, that asterisk next to it, you know, because you, you can't really define Zeppelin by one song. Um, It's so difficult to do because as we've talked, they're so diverse in their music from album to album in and, and from from song one to the last song you know even when you look at in through the outdoor you know you've got carol salabra, carol salabra and in the evening and you've got i'm gonna crawl all my love and then you've got southbound sores and you've got hot dog you know i mean a rockabilly song you know so um, they are gods. They are, to me, you know, the most important rock band in, in the history of rock. There's, I mean, you could say the Beatles, yes, everything came after the Beatles and the Stones were very important. But in terms of bringing it to another level and, and bringing it to what we know today, um, there is no other band like Zeppelin that has influenced so many from cross generations, from country to metal. So all that. Jay,
1: one of the things you said about how you can just go early on about just going back and doing the deep dive, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, starting off with Zeppelin Four, you know, my deep dive and in learning more about the band, you realize that their roots are tied to the earliest days of recorded music. You know, you're going back to the blues. So you're going back to the Rob Johnson and, you know, that rabbit hole you can't get out of it. And you know we're talking about them like they're a religion. It's like they go back to the earliest days of music. And then you see the influence. They've been gone for 40 years and there's no end to them. They're just going to keep going on and on and just bringing in new folks. And as you asked uh, or mentioned about the favorite song, just how wide they range. I still remember the one Zeppelin song I threw on a mix from my wife when we were dating back in college was Hey, hey, what can I do? Got off the box set. You know, I mean, it was just such a random song. But I was like, this one, just at that moment, at that point in my life, connected. Yeah, that wasn't on any of the albums.
0: It was was the B-side, to Immigrant Song. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: right. So, uh, you know, it it is interesting of just how wide Blop is. And uh, one of the things that I I think is going to be interesting, depending on where this podcast goes, is that you've got, individuals like us that keep talking about them. And you have someone like page who keeps trying to go on with the memory. and you got someone like Robert plan, who's been trying to get away from that for the last 40 years, create his new, his own identity over time. So just a lot of different elements to this band uh, that uh, I think is just going to make this podcast just uh, uh,
0: very interesting from episode to episode. You think of Zeppelin and you think of their popularity in current times today, Right, this is a band that started in 1968. Okay, the seeds were planted in, in 66 when when Page joined the Yardbirds as a bass player. Okay, and they're getting more and more popular with each generation. I see it firsthand with my 16 year old son. His favorite band, Led Zeppelin. You know, they're you know Led Zeppelin and Van Halen. You know, um, you you cannot deny the fact that. They are a force, even to this day, 40 years after they released their last album and 40 years after they played their last show. They're more popular than ever. And we can, you know, we'll probably dive into this from from time to time with, you know, in different discussions and bring it up again. But when you think of how they are, the less is more right well, you can, you, you know, someone will say, well, how can you say less is more? zeppelin has got these box sets and books and documentaries, but it's different. They, they're they not in your face. Like, you know, everywhere you turn, they put out like a table book or they put out, you know, a box set. And it's like number one, you know, it's it's just it, it just feeds into that lore because they're not always in the press. They're, even when they were popular, they didn't do a lot of interviews. You know, they, they wanted the fans to crave it. Right. And they were successful in doing so because, you know, when you don't give the fans who are big Zappa fans like we are, right, when you don't give them constant, you know, items to buy or merchandise to buy, when you do come out with something, we're all there. We're, like, waiting for it, you know. And that, you know, that, that is a testament to them. And it's also a lesson for artists today that, you know, if you want more than your 15 minutes – You know, get the fan base to crave you. And I don't know if there's a better example of anyone else besides Led Zeppelin that that has their fan base just waiting for stuff to drop. Maybe Rush is, is, you know, the Rush fan base is probably pretty similar to that. But it is the mystique of Zeppelin that really continues through generations.
3: Yeah, everybody in it's the same kind of feeling you have when you talk about Kiss for us. What's your favorite album from Zeppelin? This week, what's your favorite song? Today, it changes. Everybody gets in the mood. As Tom was saying, I'm in the mood to play Zeppelin 3. I'm in the mood to play, again, Houses of the Holy. And there's always an album that's your album. You like to think that that one's your favorite and only you know the secrets of how great this album is or the secrets of how great this song is. That's the exciting thing about Zeppelin. Then once in a while, you'll find somebody that agrees to you on this deep cut that you're like, holy shit, you get it. There's that connection with Zeppelin. And I, I think it, it, it's wonderful that there's uh, you know something like it. our kids can get into it. Uh, I was telling, uh, I haven't told, I was thinking I took my kid to see the Eagles last night and in the car ride, she's like, what other bands are like this that you, that I will like? I'm like, well, I don't know if they'll like this, but since you listen to kiss with me, which you don't like, "um, and you like the Eagles, I'm like, well, there's another band in the seventies. Once I get you into them, you won't stop. And that was me telling my 13 year old about zeppelin and us all of us have kids and we're all bringing it to that next generation and they'll bring it to that next generation not every band can do that not every band can translate like that not everybody's music can stand the test of time because they do have that blues hard rock metal rockabilly a soul uh latin influence like th- you name it they've had it in there and i know that uh throughout the years uh sometimes their legacy takes hits here and there but i feel that no matter what the music stands on its own and it'll continue and uh i i'm just i'm i, I can't wait to dive into it and we will get to that point where we're going to do and this is the part of this is we will review the albums review the songs rank the songs rank the covers and create a list like all you guys know what we've been doing in the throughout our shout out loudcast history we'll get to that uh but today is more of an introduction and uh i'd like to think that uh you guys get to hear what we have in store uh the reason for doing this podcast and a little bit about the band so uh Let's talk a little bit about the band. I want to yeah. make one quick. I want to make one quick comment to
2: piggyback on what Zeus said about the generational thing, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then we'll do some background on the band. We're going to talk about Zeppelin and where they came from, kind of the birth of them. But Zeus, you talk about your your daughter Murph. You've mentioned uh, you know your kids and, and Jay, your son. You know, my son is seventeen, um, and he's been listening to a lot of the music that that I like. You know, he's been to Kiss a few times with me um he loves the you know 80s rock you know he likes def leppard and Dawkins, and he does like led zeppelin i mean of course he listens to the, the you know the, the current stuff too but so he just came back from a week long sleepover camp he's a runner and uh this sounds like a nightmare to me but he had the time of his life it's a running camp okay out in the woods up in uh up in s- um, central new hampshire on a lake um and the camp has been around since the 70s and every night The camp tradition, every night before they do Lights Out, they play Stairway to Heaven. Whether you like the song or not, whether you like Zeppelin or not, it is a camp tradition since it began in the 70s. Every night before Lights Out, the entire camp plays Stairway to Heaven, and that is like their good night lullaby. And my son knows Zeppelin, and he knows Stairway to Heaven, but he's never really taken the time to listen to the song because he's 17 and he has a short attention span and the song is long. By the end of the week, he came to me and he said, I, I, "I need to add Zeppelin to my Spotify. I need this. I need more Zeppelin." And all that's all it takes. Has there ever been a a bigger gateway drug album than Zeppelin 4? I mean, we talked about it was us. Now it's my son. I'm sure Jay. It's the same thing with you. And and, and you know, I just wanted to get that in, just to talk about that legacy and that generational thing and how. The band is so powerful. We talk about how music is so powerful. And just to connect those generations to a band that hasn't been active in 40 years to me is just a testament to just the, the magic of Zeppelin.
4: Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
2: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
4: And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
0: When you think of the band, right, and and how we're talking about the band versus their history, This may have never happened if it wasn't for Terry Reid suggesting Robert Plant to Jimmy Page. And as the story goes, Page left the Yardbirds and was thinking about starting a supergroup with John Entwistle and Keith Moon from The Who. And was considering singers Steve Winwood, who I believe was with Traffic at the time, or Blind Faith, one of the others. Uh, And then Steve Marriott, who Mm. was doing Humble Pie. And he was—he it wasn't really going to work. It wasn't you know the timing wasn't right for the the other guys in the band. And then he he tried to form something with Moon and Jeff Beck, which was the results of, of Beck's Bolero, which caused a lot of controversy between Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page because Beck thought that Page ripped off the the riff with Beck's Bolero and the bridge with 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 how many more times? But as Page kind of navigated through his career after leaving the quote-unquote studio session kind of occupation that he was. And, and, and to start this group, you know, he first hooked up with, with you know, the, the bass player from the Yardbirds, um, I believe it was Chris deya uh, um, who, who was going to help him form the new Yardbirds. And he left, he got John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones was the last member. But when he was thinking about vocalists, he, he contacted Terry Reed, who had built up a following in the UK um, and was considered a great vocalist. And you know, when he approached him, Terry Reed recommended Robert Plant, who was this young singer, I believe from the Midlands, mm-hmm. um, who was the singer of a band called Band of Joy. Now, I'm always one of those thinkers that always thinks about, well, what if? What if that never happened? Would we have ever heard of John Bonham? Because Bonham and Robert Plant were best friends. And without Plant, Bonham is not in Led Zeppelin. And does Bonham ever do anything besides be a local, you know, you know, drum hero in the in the midlands of of, of, of the of England? Does he ever rise up? Out of that, I mean, when you think of the chances of becoming big and becoming the gods, they are very, it's a very slim chance, right? It's, it's, it's a luck of the draw, you know, and you have to be ready, right? I mean, you know, luck and opportunity is what breeds success. But, you know, if, if Jimmy Page doesn't go out and check out Robert Plant at the, you know, at the nudging of Terry Reid, he doesn't see John, he doesn't know John Bonham. He doesn't know of who he is. And is Led Zeppelin what they are today? I mean, that's such a a crazy thought and a, and a, and a crazy question because Terry Reid basically changed the course of music by doing that. I mean, literally changed it because I don't know if, you know, good times, bad times ever happens without that pounding drum of John Bonham. You know, I don't know if communication breakdown happens, you know, with with uh, with Robert Plant. I mean, think about the vocals of that first album. I'm reminded of Steve Perry's interview a couple of years ago when he came out with his latest solo record. He was asked what songs meant a lot to him and he mentions good times, bad times. He's in the car and he hears this thundering drums, which before that, no one played like that. And he had to pull the car over because he he didn't know what he was listening to. So when we talk about as we get into their history and we talk about you know where they came from and how they formed, you know that has to be like the first thought that without Terry Reed denying Jimmy Page and saying he's not interested, change the course of music forever. It's such a a an odd a a cool thing, but it's, it is part of not just the history of Led Zeppelin it's the history of rock music.
2: Yeah. You talk about that, you know, that butterfly effect, you know, how one thing has a domino effect on the rest of history, whether it's, you know, music or politics or art or whatever. And you're right. Steve Winwood and Steve Marriott, fantastic vocalists in their own right. Don't get me wrong. They, they, maybe they could have been great. Steve Marriott is a little is a little plantish, especially with Humble Pie. But you talk about that coming together of Bonham, arguably the greatest drummer of all time; Page, arguably the greatest guitar player of all time; Plant, arguably the greatest frontman of all time; John Paul Jones, arguably the most underrated bass player, keyboard player of all time. All in a band. That is a super group. That came together by sheer luck, by sheer knowing this person who knew that person who recommended this person and let's get together and let's do this and we're going to just create a band and we're going to see what happens. I mean, Zeus and I, we talk about Kiss all the time and you know, I'm, I'm going to be careful to not get into Kiss Zeppelin comparisons, but for people like us that love the band, all four of us love the band. But when you talk about how Paul and Gene were friends, but they still met and then the magic of bringing in Ace, the magic of bringing in Peter. You know, obviously that's the that's the the glory days of of the band, but uh, when you talk about Zeppelin, everything they recorded was just those four. They never had a replacement drummer. They never had a rep- a replacement bass player. Everything they did was the four of them. And if that isn't magic when it comes to music, then I don't know what is. And when you t- when you talk about that history and how. After the Yardbirds, Paige was like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm putting this group together. I'm putting this super group together. And holy shit, did he do that?
0: You, you know, one of the things that's always an interesting perspective of Zeppelin as they grew in their history, right? You had Robert Plant, who I believe was 19 when he joined. Led Zeppelin, nineteen or twenty, and you had Page, who was a veteran. John Paul Jones, who was a veteran in the studios. In, the, in you know, I think Jimmy Page played rhythm on "Can't Explain" by the Who. I think that's probably the most well-known studio song that he did. I'm sure there's others, but in terms of rock lore with the Who, um, you got these veterans. And you have these young cats, you know, bam, Bonham and, and Plant. It's it's the dynamic of the band was such that when you're 19 and 20 and you're young like that, you're still growing in music. You're still, your taste in music are still evolving. And I, and I think that that was a huge thing with Zeppelin, a huge dynamic because when you listen to their music, how they kept evolving, you know, from the blues based stuff and the first four albums, you know, to incorporating you know, Middle Eastern arrangements into houses of the Holy and physical graffiti and and presence. It's because of that dynamic. It's because of that, you know, plant Bonham are young page and Jones are the old veterans. And it's like this perfect mesh of, you know, the, the, the stable veteran, you know, players and the young guys that are like, Oh, let's try this. Let's do this. And I think without that dynamic, again, because of Terry Reed turning it down, I don't know if that sound ever happens. I don't know if that that is ever created. And I don't know if we're doing this podcast because of it. Um, You know, when you think of the band that started, and, you know, they were originally called the New Yardbirds. And they had to change the name because of Chris Dayo, who was the member of the Yardbirds that Paige first went out with to start the band that became Led Zeppelin. He fired, he filed a cease and desist against page that he couldn't use the name, the the new Yardbirds, except on the first show, which I believe was in Denmark. After that, um, you know, they had commitments for tours here um, after that show that they were able to fulfill, but it was called Led Zeppelin featuring Jimmy Page. And that in itself was different, right? It was, it was still evolving and you know, when, when, uh, you know, when the name came out, you know, Led Zeppelin, which is because of the conversation he had with Keith Moon, you know, oh, this is going to go down like a, like a, like a Led Zeppelin, you know, crash and burn like a Led Zeppelin. Therein lies there and starts the history of, you know, from the first time they played together playing Train Kept a Rolling, which was a Yardbird song to what they became only a short time there later. I mean, we think about you know, '68 when they released their debut, and then leads up on two. it was, I think, 1970. It was two years where they really, you know, became the monsters they were with "Stairway to Heaven."
3: So, what- a couple things I want to talk about, and that is, you're right, the dynamic of the younger ones and the professionals. So, both John Paul Jones, Jimmy Page, have now become like the sought after session guys, played on a bunch of like too many to name like songs and albums so you got these guys who who of learning their
4: craft
3: as well so they're not just becoming a session people. they're learning how to produce they're learning about arrangements songwriting everything and they're absorbing all this stuff and then you got the two like kind of virtuoso prodigies i don't know untapped potential and i remember hearing about jimmy page and seeing plant and saying like there's gotta be something wrong with him he must have a bad attitude how's this guy not made it doesn't make sense and that luck of finding it and getting that connection but there's one other aspect and i feel like we're gonna have this happen a, a little bit on this show and there's a, a another similarity of kiss here and that is Does Led Zeppelin make it without Peter Grant? Do they get as big without Peter Grant? Mm -hmm. So Peter Grant was attached to the Yardbirds at the time. And how do we get Zeppelin to get into when we get to that first tour? We get into that first album and everything else. They were set up to kind of dominate. And, you know, they lived up to that billing, but they were set up quite nice. And I think the brilliance of Peter Grant helped. And that combination made a big difference in this band uh, taken off uh, there. I also like to think they also kind of had similar interests. Not many times you're going to find people that had both this affinity and love of the blues and American blues and also early Elvis Presley stuff. We're talking about you know, Sun Records, Elvis Presley stuff, you know, Baby Let's Play House and all those other stuff that he was doing there and all the artists around that time in Memphis. All this stuff, they had the same kind of love. One had a little bit more expertise and experience in the music industry. Other had untapped potential. Combine that with this brilliant manager, I feel like, That is just exploded and gave us what we have now. And they, and they filled those shoes. Don't get me wrong. They, they took those reins and went with it. But that combination is uh, how we probably got to the point where we're doing a podcast on Led Zeppelin on a Sunday morning. And
1: one of the things that uh, was mentioned, I think Zeus you just said a second ago of where uh, Paige was wondering what the problem was with plant where he wasn't signed. Plant actually grew up in the same town or region as Winwood. And Winwood made it so big with traffic at 17, by the time he was already 1920, Plant thought that his window of opportunity had passed and that he wasn't going to make it. So, you know, it just how things come to be where the the paths crossed. But uh the fact that Plant thought that he wasn't gonna make it and was discovered at 1920, where, you know, looking at page it was 24 is just you just needed that break and uh you know the the timing of having as you said two virtuosos prodigies if you will
2: i don't think that's a a stretch by any sense of the word Zeus you brought up a great point with the manager too i had mentioned before we started recording that i had caught uh some random zeppelin documentary um you know and again just consuming zeppelin is just what i do all the time i'm sure a lot of us do uh and as i'm watching i'm like there is probably not a more influential, uh, important, effective manager for legendary, iconic rock bands than Bill O'Coyne and Peter Grant. I mean, I'm sure somebody out there could say, oh, no, you forgot about this manager. Colonel Parker, Elvis, same thing.
3: OK, well, my three
2: favorite artists, but go ahead. OK, but it was funny because the one thing that was interesting comparing or looking at the differences of a coin and Peter grant is Peter grant was like a bouncer. He was regarded as a, an unbelievable <laughs> asshole to everybody, but his band, he protected that band. And because he was such a huge, massive man, he literally took no shit. Like he was going and, and Bill O'Coin was the businessman that didn't need to use the force and the strength of somebody like Peter grant. He used his savvy to do that. But both were effective. Both were important. And I don't think it's a coincidence that two of them went on to be the biggest, most influential. You can argue whether or not you like Kiss or like Zeppelin, but you, you can't deny their effectiveness and their legacy on, on rock music. And you're right. I, I picked up that, that same kind of vibe when, when, when you see Peter Grant. And I'll tell you, Peter Grant later interviews of Peter Grant. The guy is still a pain in the ass, <laughs> but he acknowledges it. And he still and he, he knows that without him, they're. Probably would not have been a Zeppelin for a long period of time, or maybe at all. He's in Song Remains the Same. He's got a, a major part of the movie. So exactly. that's that, supposed to show you. That's true. And I can't wait until we get to that movie as well.
0: You know, the thing about Peter Grant that's interesting is, you know, he is largely credited with improving pay. For artists and the conditions of contracts, mm-hmm. you know, for artists. I mean, when you think back of the Zeppelin albums, whether it's the paper bag that In Through the Outdoor is on or the spinning wheel of Led Zeppelin 3 or whatever, you know, the, the the dynamic on the album cover there, that's all Peter Grant. And he got the record companies to pay for that stuff and instead of the coming out of a band's pay. That's a huge thing, and a lot of people feared him because of his stature, because of his confrontational approach, and because he had links to the criminal underworld, too. There's always been rumors about that, (laughs) too, as well, that, you know, he was a guy that you didn't want to mess with, and what he said to you is what happened. Um, So that's a very interesting thing that Zeppelin had the backing of of this guy, Peter Grant, that, you know, is not just – credited with the success of zeppelin but you know there's a lot of bands out there and a lot of artists that should be thanking him for the way contracts are structured for the way promotions are structured so you know it, it's all wrapped up it's like a perfect storm with with zeppelin you know they got the right people in the band by chance and then they got the the great manager who you know was also part of the Yardbirds management team that kind of left with page to do when page decided to do and pursue, you know, starting a band.
3: Yeah. One thing to add on that also was they got on the right label. Like Atlantic believed in them and pushed them. Um, and I believe they became close with our right?
0: Yeah. That's why they played it as just tribute show. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I think it's just, we are all lucky as fans that these things occurred. It's similar to we've had this discussion about all the artists. Does Jimmy Page make it? I'm sure he makes it. It's not Zeppelin. I think Robert Plant might have made it. Hope, you know. I assume uh, Bonham would have made it. and John Paul Jones could have had a decent career. Maybe he would have found a right band for himself. They all are that good that their talent would have been found. But. It would be like something like 10, 15 years into their illustrious career. Something like, hey, can we get these four together? Like, no. Why would he want to be in a band with this guy? He's too big to be in a band with this guy. Well, he's too big. But they all found each other in the beginning. And we got lucky.
0: Would Would they have made it, Zeus? Or would they have been known as one of those artists? Like, yeah, this guy was so unknown, but he was awesome. You know, I, I think that way of like a Robert. Oh, Planck. I think so. I think, yeah. I think Jimmy
3: Page would have. 100% oh, made Page, it. Yes,
0: because I think Plant would
3: have made it because mm-hmm. the era was still the. I mean, he's a, got that voice. He's got that charm. He's got the great looks. He's got that 70s, you know, blonde mane, Daltry kind of, you know, lost swagger. Yeah. Bonzo would have made it as
0: well. But, but I, I don't know if we can say that because, you know, back then in 68, you, know, you couldn't go. On television, you couldn't go on a computer and find someone in the Midlands that's from the black country, you know, of England singing. I almost think that Plant, especially, you know, would have had a a, a, a nice, decent career, but he would have been thought of as one of those artists that should have been bigger than he was. You know, when we we always have those artists mm-hmm. that we think of, like, like, you know, this, why I don't know why this guy wasn't that big. And Or why this band wasn't that big. And I almost think that Plant would have fell into that had he not been discovered by Page. Because, you know, he like you, you I agree with everything you said. His talent was off the charts. The, the blonde hair locks and the charm. But we, we, we have to think of 1968 in that time frame where it wasn't, not to say it's easier now. But it's not as it, it wasn't as easy to have the exposure to have someone with a cell phone camera videotaping your performance at some, you know, hole in the wall bar in, you know, central or Midlands, you know, UK and and then blow up on the Internet. That, that just doesn't happen back then.
3: I know. But England was a focal point of that sure. hard rock. Music. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. In addition, I mean, it's not like he's a singer in Norway and. Page had been touring. Someone goes, oh, go look, check out this local chap here in Norway. But the other aspect of it is, too, he also has that the songwriting chaps, uh, the songwriting chops, which I know he developed and he developed it with Jimmy. Yeah. But that was in him, too. That was something that, you know, he could actually pull off. Would he be as big? No, I don't think he'd be as big. But I think he would have a career. I think all of them would have had a career. I just don't think they're the the. None of them would be in anything close to what they are yeah. as Zepp- led Zeppelin. Yeah. I agree that's, with that.
2: Yeah, that's another th- like little quick segue into that that we haven't talked about that I wanted to talk about. You talked about songwriting and lyrics. That's another thing that makes the 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 band so iconic is their 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 subject matter, their material. Like people use the word like, you know, mystical or 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 you know, like Zeus, the story that you explained about being on the coast of of yes. you know of, of Greece and listening to that the images they conjure up with their lyrics. Now, early on, the, the er, their early albums, yep, you know, a lot of blues based stuff, some covers, some people claim stuff was stolen. We'll get into that as we progress through the discography. But then, you know, you get into some of that, some of those things on Zeppelin three and especially Zeppelin four. I mean, Stairway to Heaven or you know th- th- those songs. And no other band was really combining that type of music with that type of lyrics at the time. Maybe you could say rush rush was very progressive. They were talking about literary things and references about, you know, different parts of the world and the universe. And, you know, but rush, you know, as huge as they were, they, they, they were, they were a little bit more compartmentalized than, than Zeppelin was. So people are listening to this band and hearing, these lyrics and these subject matters and their song titles, the album covers, just everything that they put together was just, it, it, it made you want to learn more about the band. And when you heard these songs, like you listen to a song, like no quarter. I mean, my God, you you might not like the song, but the song is undeniable. Um, You know, and again, that's why I can't wait until we start getting into the albums and getting into the music itself. Cause I mean, the history of the band, we could talk about forever, but um, you know, as as this introductory episode continues, you know, that that's kind of where we're at.
0: It also needs to be stated, too, that without John Paul Jones being the glue, being the backbone of the band, with the arrangements, and also kind of helping the band navigate as time progressed and Paige, you know, kind of fell to his demons later on, you know, with the heroin addictions and, and the drug addictions. John Paul Jones was the guy that really wasn't into the partying, really wasn't in to the, uh, you know, the, the, the what do they call it, the the uh, riot house in L.A., you know, plant mm-hmm. or, or I'm sorry, Jones was, you know, not that type of guy. And, you know, to have that element in that band with all that craziness, that steady, you know, the, the, that steady guy that you needed. Um, to, you know, to help bring them to songs, like you said, Tom, no quarter. I mean, that's a John Paul Jones, you know, arrangement there, you know, um, that in itself cannot be underestimated. You know, when you think of the big three page bottom plant, that's great. You know, we all, we can talk all day about all those, all three of those, but Jonesy was the one that really kept that band together and, and, and really push them into stretching themselves and becoming the band that they became later on. Yeah. The, uh,
3: the one thing I just want to add before I pass it on over to you. So the one thing I, I just want to say is the best way to describe him is he's like the Charlie Watts.
1: That's what I was going to just say. Exactly. Yeah. Just with the recent passing of Charlie Watts, it just made me think of there's always those you know, large Influential bands that are just known to all. There's usually one unsung hero who is not the front man behind the scenes, and that you always hear of, oh, they're the glue. And with Charlie Watts passing, you just hearing that. And when I think of Zeppelin, John Paul Jones, he is just, you know, the one that is either adding the, you know, key, you know, bass or tune behind the scenes, keeping it, gluing it together, uh, doesn't need all the attention, but when you take a step back and look go, he is just so intimately involved in, you know, different songs or just the, the legacy of the band. And, and that is a great comparison, Zeus, with Watts.
3: Yeah. The thing about him is that I always love, I always like to compare him to like a, a, a great utility player in baseball. You name the instrument, he'll play it and he can do it efficiently. So I don't know how many instruments he's played on the Zeppelin's on catalog, but there is a bunch. And he's good at everything. And, you know, unfortunately, because of the addictions and stuff and problems towards the end, he kind of took a little bit of the lead towards those last couple albums, whereas his influence really stands out. Uh, A little bit less guitar, more a little bit synth and uh, keyboards and bass and stuff. And it's pretty evident, especially on in through the outdoor. But, you know, as you get into the other albums, you'll see his influence every one of them no nobody was like a forgotten player or not prolific in in their own instrument everybody had a role and everybody succeeded in that role and it's it's just a testament to the greatness of this band
0: as we as we move from the beginnings of their history their history continues their young history continues with the shows that you know they played first under the new yardbirds and then uh you know as Led Zeppelin featuring Jimmy Page. You know, they started to do shows even before that first album came out.
3: Which leads us to a segment that we're going to have on the show. And that segment is Jay's bootleg spotlight. Jay, tell us what this uh, spotlight's all about.
0: This spotlight's about a specific show, a specific bootleg during the journey of Led Zeppelin. As we chronicle their, their, their growth and, their success and their albums in each period, each chapter of Zeppelin, you know, there's a bootleg that kind of stands out to me being that I've been a collector for gosh, you know, 30 years, Uh, you know, and, and I've listened to a lot of bootlegs and, you know, we can get into the sound quality and different types of recordings, sound, soundboard and audience recordings. But basically this is just to share with fans who are interested in that aspect of Zeppelin because I don't know if they're maybe Pink Floyd is probably the only other band that really has a deep enriched bootleg history, um, bootleg catalog, if you will. So this is just a spotlight. What I feel not necessarily the best show, not necessarily the best recording, but the, in my opinion, the definitive bootleg you should have In in, because of energy of the show, because of song selection, because of where they play, the history behind the show, and that's what we're really going to be talking about here.
3: And so for this episode, it's introduction. We're looking for something, Jay, that you can tell us about. What's the bootleg for pre Zeppelin one?
0: Well, it goes to January fifth, nineteen sixty nine, and it's the show in West Hollywood, California, at the Whisky Gogo. This show was billed with Alice Cooper. Um, Just an absolutely great, great bill. Um, He was the opening act. Again, this, the bill on this show was Led Zeppelin featuring Jimmy Page, formerly of the Yardbirds. That was on the marquee. That was on all the marketing posters and materials. And, you know, the dynamic of this show is Page was sick uh, upon the arrival of this uh, this show, and and that's also a common theme as we'll get into Led Zeppelin, you know, with with Page and Plant's health, in which caused a lot of cancellation of shows as we move forward. But it caused them to eliminate the second set of the show, which is interesting. Um, but the other part of his history with with Led Zeppelin is their their acceptance of L.A. of California as like their second home during their, during their careers. Whenever you hear a bootleg of Zeppelin um, years, you know, on, and as they moved on and, and forward their shows in California and LA were so monumental and so energetic, you know, the in, in hammer of the gods, as we mentioned here a couple of times in this conversation, we talk about the riot house, you know, it was the Hyatt house that got yep. nicknamed the the Rite House when Zeppelin was there because of the chaos and craziness that was at that hotel because all musicians came out to see Zeppelin, all the actors, all the entertainers, everybody was there. I mean, there's a bootleg uh, that we'll get into uh, as we move forward with Keith Moon sitting on the drum riser on stage as Zeppelin's playing, drinking with Bonham in between songs you know, it was just a crazy candidate. And, and, you know, obviously they're from the UK. We know their history, but it was really L.A., California that really embraced Zeppelin before any other city in, in the world. Um, so that's why I think there's an importance with the show at the Whiskey Go-Go. Um, and of course, you know, with Alice Cooper, who also had an illustrious career, too, as well, Um being on that bill, being the opening act, having people come out and all these you know musicians come out and see them at this show, it really was, you know, I know it wasn't their first show as the band, but it really was the set the tone for their career. Is there, is,
2: is this accessible via like YouTube or, I mean, I know it's a bootleg, so obviously it's not on streaming. I know if you're a vinyl nerd, you can probably find it out there on eBay someplace where I would probably go get it, but is this accessible via, I know a lot of times you'll see videos or you'll have people release the audio, like on YouTube. Is this something that we might be able to find somewhere if we were, if we wanted to, or.
0: Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Um, You can find it every once in a while. It'll pop up on eBay. Somebody will be selling it. Uh, if you go to record conventions across the country or wherever mm-hmm. you're at, you know, typically there's always a couple guys selling bootlegs, um, and you know you can find it there. I mean, bootlegs are not like at your regular record store. Mm-hmm. You've got to know where to go. You've got to know people. There's websites that you can look up that specifically talk about the bootlegs or you know bootlegs for Zeppelin and other bands. Um, the discussion with Led Zeppelin is always going to be pages and pages of, of, of different bootlegs, but yeah, you can find it, you know, that's also part of the, the pull of being a bootleg collector is you you start to educate yourself on which ones you need to have in your collection. And then you go on a, you know, a search looking for this stuff and, you know, it'll pop up when you least expect it. I remember, Well, we'll, you know, I'll mention it briefly, but there's a bootleg that we're going to talk about eventually that is, I consider the the prime Zeppelin bootleg of all time. And I remember going to a record show in Chicago area with my son, who I think was 13 or 14 at the time. And we walked in the entrance and usually a little backstory, usually you want to listen to the bootleg before you buy it. You know, you want to, you know, usually they'll have like a little stereo where you can listen to and just to make sure the quality is good and it's not, you know, you know, a fake or whatever. So I see the dealer, you know, selling this bootleg and I didn't even listen to it. I go, I, I go, I'll take it right now. And he goes, you don't want to listen to it? I'm like, no, I don't need to listen to it. <laughs> so I, I know the quality of that bootleg. I've been searching for that bootleg for 10 years. I go, I want it right now. It was the only copy he had. I didn't want to wait and have someone come up. Well, I'll give you this for it. I'll give you that for it. I'm like, no, nope, I'll take it. Just wrap it up. Let's go. Here's the money. Here's the money. Give it to me. <laughs> so, so you, would, you when you get in that type of, of realm of of collecting bootlegs, of collecting rare recordings, you know, um, you know, for instance, as will we'll talk. There's there was just a release for the first time ever a soundboard recording of When the levy Breaks. And we'll talk about that as we as we move on with this. But it's stuff like that, where as a fan, I've never heard in 30 years a soundboard recording of When the Levee Breaks. And they only did that song less than a handful of times. So when that came out earlier this year, I mean, for me, it was like Christmas. You know, it was like, oh my God, I, I've been waiting to hear this stuff. So we'll get into it and, you'll, and you guys will hear my passion for... You know, bootlegs and what recordings, you know, there's always going to be probably better recordings maybe, but usually when I bring up a, 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 or want to talk about a bootleg, it's because of the history, the dynamic behind it. It's not just about the recording itself. It's also about the history, like the show in L.A. at Whiskey Gogo with Alice Cooper that was in a town that embraced them more so than any other American city, which they broke huge in, you know, in, in America, even before the U.K., right? That's one thing about Zeppelin's history we have to you know, really get into. They were bigger in America before their home country in the U.K. So,
3: Yeah, the, uh, Jay, so I was going to ask you, is there different names for this concert? Um, certain types of, uh, as far as the bootleg buying it. Yeah. Buying it. I mean,
0: you know, the, the one that's the main one is live, at, um, you know, live at the whiskey go-go. I mean, that's okay. the one that I have it under, um, you know, basically what you want to do is, is, is yes, you know, throughout our discussion, you will, we will talk about bootlegs that have the same name. Um, But always focus on the date of the show. Yeah, of course. The date of the show is January 5th, 1969. So whether it's called Live at the Whiskey Go-Go, whether it's called something else, the date is the most important, right? Because, you know, that's, you know, that's the show. So if it's, you know, Live at the Whiskey Go-Go, Live Live on the Sunset Strip, whatever else it's called, some unique name that the the guy who's putting out picks it up, the date is what you want to focus on.
3: So the last thing I'll ask you is any songs that people would be familiar with that are on. Well, this?
0: you know, that's an interesting too. And that's one of the reasons why I love this show because, you know, the history with, you know, with what led up to the show um, and the set list uh, was all cover songs. And it's up, some of the songs covered, you know, in this show ended up being on Led Zeppelin 1. The show starts um, with a Garnet Mims cover. Of as long as I have you, which is just an ap- absolute great version, goes into I can't quit you, baby, the Willie Dixon cover that appears yeah. on Led Zeppelin One, the debut. Train kept a rolling, which was in their set for a couple of years. It's the mm-hmm. Yardbirds. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a Tiny Bradshaw cover, but it was made famous by the Yardbirds. Yeah. Um, but they did this during their first uh, couple of tours of you know bigger tours, not just these club dates that they did. Um, it's a shame that that never appeared on an album uh, by Zeppelin because their recordings or live recordings of Train Kept a Rolling were so phenomenal. And Bonham's drums, you know, whenever he played this in, you know, Plant's vocals and, and what they did with the song. I mean, there's probably like a couple recordings have like seven, eight minute versions of this song. Um, so that was very interesting to to uh to have in that set list babe i'm gonna leave you which joan baez cover which was you know zeppelin made this song their own on led zeppelin one and, and yeah there were some issues originally with you know who they credited the writing of the song i believe they didn't have joan baez in the beginning later they they actually had to add it in um which is again you know we'll get in discussions on that too but babe i'm gonna leave you is a very recognizable song uh, of led zeppelin one uh, Dazed and Confused, the Jake Holmes blues cover, um, which, again, Zeppelin made their own. Babe, I'm going to leave you Dazed and Confused were basically, you know, um, uh, huge songs on that album that were taken from blues songs or folk songs in the Joan Baez uh, you know, song. But Babe, I'm going to leave you. They really kind of made them Zeppelin songs, if you will. Um, and then Killing Floor, The Howling Wolf song um which is a great version and then they ended with you know for your love which is another song by the yardbirds that uh you know the yardbirds made popular so it's a short set it's seven songs um but again you know some of the bootlegs may be longer during that period you know you know a couple of sets but i just feel it's such an important show you know the whiskey go-go hollywood california led zeppelin america To me, it's the show, if you're into bootleg collecting, that's the one you need to have.
2: This is going to be interesting for me here because I am in the middle of collecting bootlegs for Kiss and Metallica. My collection is growing, and I'm lucky enough to have a private vinyl uh, shop near me. I'm in southern New Hampshire right now, and this guy has an unbelievable supply of brand-new, unopened, sealed, mint-conditioned bootlegs. That's not all he has, but he specializes in that. You go to a Zeppelin section— tons and tons and tons of stuff so by you doing this it's just going to feed the frenzy for me to keep collecting (laughs) yeah exactly it's just gonna it's gonna be real bad because now I'm on a mission to get this one that you're talking about so
0: yeah it it really is I mean there are there are there better bootlegs are there more you know you know if if I'm going to a record store like you mentioned Tom you know am I looking for other shows yes but if I see this and I'm just starting my collection and I see the. Live at the Whiskey Go-Go, you know, on, on January 5th, you know, 1968. I'm like, you know what? I gotta have this. You know, this is this is an important show for Zeppelin's history. Um, to me, even though there were shows before it, this is the beginning. This is where the buzz started, right? LA, California, you know, the music industry, the heart of it. Boom, right down the street from Capitol Records, right down the street from all the other record, you know, uh, companies. Zeppelin comes in, blows the doors off the place, and it just starts to steamroll after that. So, you know, I don't think the shows they did before that had, you know, are even discussed, right? When you talk about the first shows with Zeppelin, you go right to that Whiskey Go-Go show. Even though there is a handful of shows before that, that's the one that really, you know, put the train on the track.
3: Well, that's a good way to end the introduction, but um, before we go, we always like to give everybody a chance to tell them, where can we find you? Jay?
0: Thanks, Zeus. I uh, am the host of The Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Uh, You can like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. Lots of stuff happening on my end, too. I know I I, I say that a lot on a few of my episodes, but, you know, I've kind of always kind of slow and kind of developing things. I like to be slow and steady than to be fast and loose, um, which by the way, was a Zeppelin publication called fast and loose, which also <laughs> chronicled Zeppelin bootlegs. <Blue> <laughs> and I wanted to add that in um, or, no, I think it was tight, but loose, but, um, but nevertheless, you know, you can find, like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. You can catch all the old and new episodes of the hook rocks on any podcast platform, that uh that you listen to we always you know have some great guests you know we just had d snyder on the show you know we've uh we had rick allen a short time ago from def leppard we're always doing kind of three pillars rock commentary new music spotlights and interviews with, with legacy artists so i appreciate if you could stop by and, and listen to the hook rocks podcast and check us out
2: tom so we are shouted It Out Loudcast. Uh, if this is your first time hearing us, we are an all-kiss podcast that drops new episodes every Saturday. And we also have a monthly show called The Album Review Crew with myself, Zeus, and our friend Sonny, where we uh, spend a very long period of time reviewing non-kiss albums. Uh, and now we have this new show, The Zeppelin Chronicles, with our friends Murph and Jay. And you can find us uh, on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Uh, we have an email address at shoutedoutloudcast at gmail.com. You can use that email for all things that we're talking about, whether it's Zeppelin, Album Review Crew, Kiss, uh, and our show and Jay Show, we're part of the great uh, Pantheon podcast network of shows. And uh, Murph, where can people find you? Not many places. (laughs) I I am not very active on
1: social media. I would say that uh, outside of Twitter, Twitter, not going to find me in too many places. I have uh, been able to acquire some followers of just being uh, invited to join some of the shout it out loud cast episodes. So I will anticipate that uh, being part of this podcast, I'll get engaged uh, a little more socially uh, on the, the Twitter, but uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm just a fan who loves music and, and loves kiss loves Zeppelin all types of music. So uh you know I, I listen to your podcast, Jay, I listen to yours. And uh you know if anything is coming out, I'm going to listen, participate, engage, and uh just uh look forward to uh being part of future episodes. Hopefully I'm not getting the boot after this one. Hell no, never.
3: Well uh Tom, I always like to piggyback on what you say. Uh, our email again, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. You can find all our merchandise shout it out loudcast needs and things like that on click Ed at click shop has all our shout it out loudcast, merch uh, album review crew. And there will be a Zep Chronicles, the Zeppelin Chronicles, uh, logo, shirt that you can put on anything you'd like. That should be coming out shortly. So look for that at clickteshop.com You can always find that stuff in the episode notes. We always have links to those places in our social medias, you can, where you can always DM us on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter, uh, as Tom likes to say. You can also subscribe to us on our YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> channel and uh that's uh that's been growing and uh it's a lot of fun over there the comments are great and we'd like to get some feedback on our youtube channel for uh this zep chronicles introduction and don't forget to give us one of those five star <laughs> child reviews on itunes that's a great big help to us and hop on over to the hook rocks and give jay one of those five star reviews I'm sure he would appreciate it as well. And lastly, we'd like to uh, mention our Patreon account. Uh, Patreon is where you can uh, subscribe on the app or patreon.com or again, in the episode notes and become part of our Patreon family. There's perks there and things for you to uh, get involved with. And we hope that you'll take a, a look and see if you like, if you do, please join. We'd love to have you and, uh, We have a fun community there and it's uh, the family keeps growing. So we appreciate all that. And uh, usually what we do on our episodes, we would leave you with famous last words, but we don't do that this week. This is our introduction. Look for it on the next one. And please keep an eye out. We will be notifying you when this first episode will be launched. Uh, Follow Jay at The Hook Rocks on his social media shout out loudcast on our social media and uh we cannot wait to present it to you
0: well thanks again guys for this opportunity to discuss my favorite band led zeppelin on an early sunday morning i don't know if anything else could have got my ass out of bed than uh the chat with with uh you fucks on uh, on Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so, um, looking forward to doing this as we move forward, as we continue the journey. Murph, you know, appreciate you being here. And pre- appreciate your thoughts. You know, Tom, always a pleasure to see you. You know, your the the, the shine from your dome um, on the light, and then of course uh, Zeus. You know, always uh, enjoy to see your work in progress dome that you're yeah. working on, and plus the cats climbing up on the blinds behind you. But no, this is going to be a great uh, journey. I, I really appreciate you know being part of it, being asked to be a part of it, being you know part of the planning of this, and uh, look forward to the feedback uh, from all the listeners uh, that do take part in uh, checking this out. So thanks again,
1: guys. Thanks for the invite. Look forward to uh, the homework assignment that was given to us by Jay <laughs> to go find the uh, the bootleg, and uh, look forward to uh, catching up in the near future.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a great time here. uh, Zeppelin is a passion for all of us, as you've heard throughout this episode. So we're thrilled to kick this off. Finally, I'm proud that we have finally started this. It's been a long conversation to get it going, and it's here. So Jay, Murph, Zeus, can't wait to keep going. Thank you.
3: Tom, I'm going to echo that. You know how long, people, we've been talking about doing this, and uh, it's here. So a uh, virtual high five to all of you. Thank you for all the, uh, to all the listeners out there, Kiss Army, Loudcasters, Zep fans, everybody. Peace out, Girl Scout.